Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, with the main man, Grayson Boone. And what a weekend it was in NC State sports. What a weekend it was. Beating UNC in wrestling. Beating UNC in women's basketball in a, a, an absolutely spectacular overtime. And then the, the, the crown jewel of the wins. Beating UNC and potentially sending UNC to the NIT in one fell swoop in the PNC. Grayson, are you ready to get into it? I've I've been waiting a long time for an episode like this one. It's going to be a good one. Mm, mm, mm. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Grace is ready. I hope Wolfpack Nation is ready. But before we get into the show, I got to let you know that with LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire the qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences that you value to achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. So, folks, we have an episode for you today. Me and Grayson are geeked up like Fable. If you don't know who that is, look up Geeked Up by Default. Don't worry about it. You'll thank me later. <laughs> Anywho, we're going to get into the win over the boys and baby blue on today's episode of Locked on Wolfpack. You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know, on a day like today, Paul McNeil Jr., the 24th overall player in the uh, 2024 class committee, has to go on the back burner. It has to go on the back. We'll get to we'll, it. We'll, exactly. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get there when we get there. But we have got to start off with the 77-69 win against the boys in baby blue. As always, Grayson, what are your thoughts and initial takeaways? Uh, number one. Woo! Love it. Most importantly. Love it. Oh, my gosh. I mean – it was a bit frustrating at points. Uh, you know, my listen, my thoughts right now are going to be all over the place. I'm still fired up. Just bear with me here. The game is a little bit all over the place in the first half. You I'm know, like I, like I mentioned on the last episode, I said going into that game, we know what UNC is. We know the kind of basketball they're going to want to play. Absolutely. And it seemed like we just didn't kind of grasp that. And although we let it halftime, I felt like we kind of played – into their hands a bit. We kind of gave them some cheap fouls. We kind of just didn't play the way we were supposed to. They even right. mentioned it uh, at the at the halftime broadcast. I believe his name is Sean Farum. He kind of said the same thing I said in that we know who UNC is. They've shown us this game in and game out this year. They're going to try and pound the ball inside with Baycott. If he doesn't make it, they're going to go to the foul line because they've struggled all year in shooting. That's exactly what they tried to do. Now, Caleb Love kind of started, got it, to get it going, but it was a little too little too late. But we did a great job at forcing turnovers and getting mm-hmm. them out of what they were trying to do. They did end up shooting a lot more free throws than we did, but we were able to overcome that in playing the NC State type of basketball game that we needed to, and it worked. We came out the win. You know, we didn't have to worry about such a humongous foul disparity 
And it's amazing what happens when you let the boys play. You let the team that's better show them and prove that they are the better team. And that's what we got. What a win. You know, my thoughts coming out of this game are we got to give Coach Keats some credit. Absolutely. We have to give Coach Keats his flowers. I have been a guy who, y'all know me, I tell it like it is. I'm not going, you know, not going to dance unless I hear music, not going to scratch my head unless it itches. And I'm not going to give out credit just because. But at this point, for on a multitude of fronts, first front, the transfers, again, they did not appear on this campus by osmosis. We all love DJ Burns. DJ Burns is not here without Coach Keats. Jarkel Joyner, this game's leading scorer, a man who has been a menace on an absolute tear lately. I want you to think about something. Jarkel Joyner was one of four from deep this game, but the one three that he hit was a pull-up dagger. Absolute dagger. Uh, just a dagger through the heart to say, yeah, I ain't shot well all day, but you know what? This one's going to fall. And this one's going to put y'all to bed. And it did. My favorite part about him hitting that shot is Keats postgame said that he was not happy with Jarkel hit, pulling up and taking that shot. But he said as soon as it went in, I was like, oh, well. It's kind of, no, 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 no. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah we yeah. love it. And you know what? Sometimes you need a guy that's like, no, 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 no. Oh, great job. Sometimes you need one of those on your team. But the second front that I want to give Keith some credit is the strategy to mitigate their post play. Because while I think he tried to play him straight up early and saw, okay, they're going to get the whistles, right? They're going to get the calls. You know, we're, we're having a little bit of trouble. So what does he do? All right, make them beat us from the perimeter. Every time they touch that ball on the inside, I need two guys. Right here, two guys in in the face, hands up, extended, ready to defend. And guess what? That's what he gave. That's that's what the team gave, and that is what I believe made the difference. Because if you look at how Armando Baycott played this game and what his splits were, a majority of his production came in the first half. When you look at how this thing broke down in terms of like, all right, what's going on, and and how are how are we getting our points? In the second half, I'm telling you right now, there was a very, very tough time for Armando Baycott on the inside. There was a very tough time for Pete Nance on the inside in that second half. And why is that? Because if they were not scoring off offensive rebounds, they were not scoring, which is another thing that we need to clean up. We'll talk about that later. But if when they got the ball back to the basket, two guys, hands up, extended, and again, it it is, you know, everybody can say, well, of course I do that. That's easy. Sure, it sounds easy in theory, but Caleb Love has been an all-conference performer. R.J. Davis is a guy that everybody um, who cheers for the Boys and Baby Blue says he needs to shoot more because he's good at doing it. And yet, Coach Keats had the wherewithal to say, you know what? If they're going to beat us by those guys getting the ball, driving and kicking, or they're going to beat us with those guys knocking on over threes, then we'll we'll lose this game. But I am betting that they don't. And guess what? The bet paid off. Now, some of the best parts I do want to talk about in this game, you know, putting aside Jarkel just for a second, you can't ignore his performance. He finished with 29, 
excellent. He put the team on his back quite literally. Um, but, I mean, we'll just hold off for a second. I want to hold off on DJ Burns just for a second. He was a little bit limited in foul trouble. Still mm-hmm. efficient in the time that we had him. He finished with 18, getting 9 to 15 shots. Awesome. He was making Baycott and Nance look small. He could have hit him with the two short a couple of times if he wanted to. Absolutely. But I think some of the most important points from this game came from Jack Clark and Ernest Ross. And when I say points, I don't mean literally because Ernest Ross finished with zero points. But I think he finished with some of the most influential zero points I've seen in a long time for somebody wearing the red and white. Ernest Mm. Ross came in, and, you know, like we've seen all year, when he is on defense, he is in your grill. And Mm -hmm. for him to be able to influence bad shot taking from UNC – Plus, you can't talk, you can't not mention the humongous block he had that I believe was that the one that went down. Jarkel hit that three. It was around I, the same time. It, it might have been. I believe it was. I believe it was it in was. that fray where we went on like a quick 7 0 run, but he had a huge block that was just a humongous momentum shift. So, shout out to Ernest Ross. I know hey, you didn't we- have anything to celebrate in the stat sheet, but you can't measure his influence, and then, of course, Jack Clark as well. I mentioned it last episode. To have Jack Clark uh, on Sunday when we didn't have him the first time around, you could feel the difference. His his big body presence, altering shots, playing good defense. He added in a couple threes for himself. His presence made a world of difference, it felt like. We did not look anything close to the team we were when we went into Chapel Hill and saw them the first time. We looked confident. We looked prepared. Also, the turnover battle. Unreal. We didn't turn the ball over, I think, until like late in the second half. Dominate. I know we finished, I think we only turned the ball over three times. They turned the ball over 13 times. Now, you would think with a gap that wide, the score would have been a little different. I mean, I'm I'm not going to harp on that. Unbelievable job of taking care of the basketball in this game. And it paid off. It absolutely paid off. And and I want to talk about a play from Ernest Ross that there were two plays, actually. The missed dunk, right? Oh, man. <laughs> now, hold on. Hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. The missed dunk is a moment where, again, that was in that sequence with the dagger to where it's like, you could That's say true. that that play was like supposed to be like, ah, yeah, we got him. It's officially over now. If the if the Jarkel three wasn't a dagger, and then he misses that dunk, right? And you could say a less experienced or less confident player goes and hangs their head and is like, oh no, like, you know, I blew it. My only chance at points this game, like, oh God, it's a struggle. Da, da, da. And then I want to say the next possession, or maybe two possessions later, we get out on the break. And um, I believe it was to Quavian Smith, just throws the ball up court because we got two guys racing down court. It was uh, Marcel trailing um, trailing Ross. And a ball that Ross could have easily said, man, we're up double digits or we're up close to double digits. I could let this thing go out. No big deal. No harm, no foul. Nobody cares. He hustles, saves it, runs into the stanchion to get Casey Marcel an easy layup. I I encourage people to go back and watch that play. Because, of course, after he saves it, all eyes are going to be on Casey hitting the layup. But go back and watch Ernest Ross after he realized he had saved it in time and Casey had the layup. 
he was going crazy on his way back down the court. So funny. I love watching Ernest Ross play basketball and just, I mean, he's hilarious to watch, not to mention his high socks. He looks like a soccer player running around on the court, but his energy, you just can't, you can't replicate it any other way. His energy that he gives you on the court when he's out there, I think some of the best NC State basketball we've seen this year has been with Ernest Ross on the floor. Just unreal. He, Like I said, I think I mentioned this before, he's slowly becoming one of my favorite players, even though he's never going to really get the love that a DJ or a Jarkel gets. Ernest Ross is really – he's a grinder. He is a dog. I don't know. I don't he does know. not get appreciated as much I don't as he know. should. I think – I think he won't get that love this year because he's not the big scorer this year. In the future, it's very possible. It's very possible that Ernest Ross becomes a household name in the ACC because I think he's a three- to four-year guy. And if he develops an offensive package to go along with what he's doing defensively. He could be a real problem. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's exactly. It could be a a very real problem there. So I'm just saying there's – there's something there. There's something there. And again, we're going to talk this win a little bit more. And then we're going to talk uh, the latest commitment and uh, the, the women's game coming up in a bit. But before we do, I've got to talk to you all about LinkedIn jobs. Folks, it's simple. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. With LinkedIn jobs, you can hire qualified candidates by more efficiently uh, matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates with uh, with targeting tools that get them in front of your open jobs. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job posting company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. So LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen with all of their um, with all of their questions that make it easy to see who's who's who and what they've been doing. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And back to this game against UNC, back to this win a little bit. I, again, they say the tournament time is all about who gets hot at the right time and guard play. And with that being said, I feel great about this team heading into tournament time, heading into conference tournament. Heading into the NCAA tournament, I feel great about this team because we are getting hot. We're trending in the right direction at the right time. And again, I'm looking around and I'm saying this is a team where everybody just plays their role. Nobody, the the egos are low and, and everybody is just excited to do what they do and win. Greg Gant has every reason to mope and, and pout and all that good stuff when he's not playing a lot. He was a starter tonight that played eight minutes. And yet, if you look at all the big plays, he's the main one going crazy on the bench, cheering for his guys like nobody's business. This team 
There's something special here. There's something special. I think, I mean, of course, we still have a couple weeks. We still have the ACC tournament and then subsequently the NCAA tournament. But I think if you were to give a teammate of the year award, I think it's Greg Gant in a landslide. Mm-hmm. You know, like you mentioned, in these games that Jack Clark's been out, we've been getting Greg Gant at the start. And really the only thing he's been able to provide is firm defense. You get a bucket from him every now and then, but he's just, that's not what he's out there for. He's out there mm-hmm. to alter shots get boards and just provide that intensity. And, and now that Jack Clark is back, he's seen a dip in his playing time that has not stopped him from being the first guy out of the, or when we call a timeout, he's the first guy to greet the guys coming into the huddle. He's the first guy to jump up and down when we hit a shot. He's the first guy to get everybody fired up in the, on the bench. You can't measure that in the locker room, the ultimate teammate locker room guy, Greg Gant. What a joy it's been to have him, uh, you know, transfer in. It's been a while since he's been able to play with some injuries, but the difference he's made in the in the little ways, the immeasurable ways this year, unbelievable effort from Greg Gant. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, again, this is just a game where all in all, this team showed up, showed out. And when it comes to finishing, when it comes to saying, you know what, we're the better team, let's show it. This is a game that, you know, Ryan Williams of Inside Pack Sports, a good friend of yours and mine, has said that he was feeling eerily confident going in. And I felt the same way. I'm not going to lie to you. I felt the same way. I said, you know, UNC has not been good away from home at all this year. And with that being said, we, you know, I mean, this is close to their home, but this ain't their home. This is the PNC, baby. And you know what? I'm going to also give another shout out to Wolfpack Nation. Absolutely. The energy in there was palpable, was palpable. I want to tell you how massive the energy in PNC was if you were not there to experience it. There were folks, the announcers, who said, we can barely hear each other. Thank God we have these headsets on. Now, for those of you who don't know, the announcer sits shoulder to shoulder. And y'all had that place rocking I've so seen... well. Go ahead. Had it so ruckus. I mean, huh. what well, it gets no better. And when asked to describe, what do you think of when you talk about Wolfpack uh, fans, Wolfpack Nation, and, and how they, you know, who they are as fans? When asked that, the announcer also said, this passion, this passion that they have, is different. It's just different. And I'll yeah, tell they, you what. They is. said on air, I think it was Corey Alexander, he said that NC State has the most passionate fan base in the ACC. And we backed it up. We backed it up. You know, I want to talk a little a little bit about, you know, every year we kind of get the people moaning and groaning about, you know, we should play more games than Reynolds because we have, you know, struggles filling up PNC at times. How yeah. about today? Yeah, that thing was I didn't, I didn't see any problem with it today. Now, did we? Standing room only, baby. Standing There's, room only. Look, and like, I get it. Sometimes we play the 9 p.m. tip in the middle of the week, and people have kids, jobs, yada, yada, yada. There's almost no reason every game can't look like what we saw against UNC. For sure. We got Wake Forest, I believe it's on Wednesday. There's no reason it can't be that rowdy because it makes a difference. 
Yep. You know, I saw multiple people on Twitter talking about there were several moments where it was legitimately deafening in there. They couldn't hear the people next to them. They couldn't hear themselves think. You can't put a, a level of worth on that. You know, Absolutely. for example, we got high-level recruits in the building. We'll talk about this in just a second. We landed one. And you have to think that creating such a raucous environment in a in a rivalry game and coming mm-hmm. out with a win, mm-hmm. that has a humongous factor in it, undeniably. So shout out to Wolfpack Nation. Obviously, if you're listening to the show, Ken and I, if you're a Wolfpack fan, you know how we roll. You know how much we love our teams. We are ride or die, literally, for all of our NC State teams. And moments like what we saw in the UNC game are just like, it's just a perfect encapsulation of the good times, the bad times, and the best times when we truly bring it and make a difference. Like you mentioned to start the to start the show off, what a weekend in Raleigh, North Carolina with women's basketball winning, wrestling winning. We had the, the outdoor Canes game in Carter-Finley. That was incredible. Also, that turned into be a, like a huge promo for NC State, unbeknownst to like literally everyone else. Uh, you know, I saw I saw a lot of UNC fans doing some mental gymnastics uh, about how much in their feelings they got about that. But mm-hmm. just an unbelievable weekend. Well, all in I don't all, know, I don't know what the I don't know what the problem was there. I mean, this is it was in Carter Finley Stadium where the Wolfpack plays. They have I don't know if they know this, but the colors that they have are very eerily similar uh, to the Wolfpack. I mean, ugh, I, I am shocked. I, am I don't know if I'm breaking any news here, but our men's basketball team and the Carolina Hurricanes, they play in the same arena. And that same arena is right next door to our football stadium. So if anyone didn't know that, that's that's how the logistics shake out. So maybe that's why uh, NC State was so involved. Just just wanted to get that out there. Yeah, you know, Grayson is the logistics guy, not me. So, you know, he, he does logistics and all that. And I, I think that, you know, and having to pull up uh, the the uh, Wolfpack hardwood to put down the hurricane ice, I think that maybe, just maybe there'd be a little bit of I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, like you let's let's talk about the recruits for a second, okay? Because there were some big time recruits in the building. I mean, of course, we got the the huge commitment. From Paul McNeil Jr. again, the number 24 player in the class of 2024. I'm sorry, number 26 overall player in the class of 2024, depending on what website you go to. You know how these things work. And we offered Jackson Keith another player out of that class that is a, a big-time recruit. And what do you think is, is like, obviously, having really good players come to NC State is a good thing. But what do you think in terms of kind of looking ahead to say like, all right, we've had our hearts broken before in having top recruits not come to campus. Does this one feel different to you or does this feel like, eh, kind of ho-hum, same thing, let's not get too excited till the ink is dry? In in a way, it does feel different, but I think that's because of the current success we are enjoying. You know, we have an Isaiah Miranda who ended up redshirting this year. He kind of turns into another recruit for next year's class, and he'll be joined by Dennis Parker and Trey Parker. I'm going to talk about Trey Parker in just a second, but we've always known that Kevin Keats is a very high-level recruiter with you know the likes of a Josh Hall who we missed out on, a Jalen LeCue that we missed out on, 
We had a, uh, a Rob Dillingham committed at one point, decommitted, it's going to Kentucky. We've had some humongous names next to NC State on the recruiting websites, and some of them have fallen through. But this is just another chapter proving and uh, Kevin Keats will go on the road and he'll get it done. He'll get it done in the family room, t- t- telling these kids that if you want to be a special player, you can come to NC State and be that special player. Something that Terquavion Smith mentioned a couple weeks back. You don't have to go to a blue school in North Carolina to make a name for yourself. NC State, we're in the mm-hmm. ACC. You know, have we struggled in years recent? Yes, we have. But a year like this one can make a world of difference in recruiting. Like I mentioned. The, the atmosphere today, the getting the win against the rival team, that plays a big difference in, in reeling in these recruits like a Paul McNeil, okay? I mean, what more could you want other than getting them here to campus, which we do hope happens? But it seems like, and I don't want to get ahead, of, I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse here, but it seems like we're starting to actually get some, some tangible progress here in the recruiting trail. So... We'll see what happens, but he, he's another big big name player to be excited for here in the near future. And I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna tell you this. I, and I, I don't like to talk about other schools, and I don't want to bash any other schools on this program. If I'm Rob Dillingham and I'm looking at what Kentucky is doing with the players that they currently have, and what NC State is doing with the players they currently have. And who best kind of lets you be you? Because if you watched him in the overtime league, Rob Dillingham is a guy that he's at his best when you can kind of roll the ball out to him and say, hey, man, go get me a bucket. That's what he does. That's what he does. I'm just saying. There's. Don't do it. Reconsider. <laughs> Risa Blither. You sure on the subject? You sure? I was hoping you were gonna catch on. You know what I mean? That's that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Hey, you throw it down, you. I'm gonna throw it down. You know what I mean? I'm the Jarkel Jordan, you're the Quavis Smith on that fast right. break. You understand? That's, that's how we do it. But you know, I'm just saying, Robert Dillingham. I don't know if you listen to this podcast. I doubt that you do. But if you know him, maybe send him this episode. Just I'm just saying, think it over because at the end of the day, we have seen. Players who have gone on to be all-stars, superstars, potential Hall of Famers in the NBA kind of get, you know, they they didn't, they weren't that. Who would have guessed that Devin Booker would have became what he became after playing for Cal? Who would have guessed? Who would have who had that in them? Now, name me a player that played under Keats that went to the NBA and was just like, wait, what? He had that in him? Where was Keats hiding him? They could be on the way. They could be on the way. Now, all I'm saying is there's there's nothing along those lines, and you're coming in with a great class where you're going to have a, a seven-footer guaranteed. You're going to have some one of the most explosive players in the class who I'm going to give you the latitude to talk about here in just a second. But there's, there is so much here. And, again, play styles that match yours. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That, that's – that's just my thoughts there. So in looking at this Wolfpack basketball recruiting class overall, now that we've included uh, Paul and Neil in this, how are you feeling about this group in particular? Yeah, and so like I mentioned with Isaiah Miranda, I don't know if he'll be technically considered in next year's class. In my mind, I do consider him in next year's class since we didn't get him at all this year. But 
looking at, and again, you can't really get caught up in too much of the ranking numbers per se, but I think we have some high level recruits coming in. Most of which I mean by Trey Parker, that dude can absolutely fly. I don't know if you've seen the video of him dunking over two, I presume to be seven foot people, just an absolute tomahawk over two seven foot people. So he can get up and throw down. If you, if you catch my drift, having a dynamic playmaker like that, that's the kind of, he seems to be kind of comparable to a Jalen McHugh that didn't quite make it here to NC state. But he's so, a lot bigger. He he looks a lot I bigger. I think he's a little bit taller, yes. Yeah. Okay. But All right. the same kind of, you know, they 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 compared LeCue to like a baby Westbrook type player. Mm-hmm. Uh Trey Parker could be more of like a John Morant, but taller. If, mm-hmm. if I don't know if that's compare it kind of, but just a guy that can just jump to the rafters and throw down. That kind of dynamic playmaking is something we haven't had too much of. Uh, you know, at NC State. I, I don't even like mentioning him, but Dennis Smith is really the only guy that we've brought in. And, of course, we had to coerce him, unfortunately. Thank, thank you, Mark Godfrey. Um, he's kind of the only guy we've seen of recent that has this dynamic star ability. It yeah. feels like we could have three coming in next year, counting Miranda in that next year, uh, Dennis Parker as well, very well-rounded. If you haven't seen their their tape, I encourage you to go watch. You see a lot to be excited about in all three of them. And then, of course, now with Paul McNeil coming in in 2024. There is a lot on the horizon. Of course, there's still a whole lot in front of us here in the year of 2023. But you can't help but be excited about the the talent we have coming down the road here in the near future. So, again, credit to Keats because despite – Everything that people have said about him, I've been guilty of it too. Wolfpack Nation gets very restless. That's I'm not breaking any news there. We, but you we know tend what? to stump our feet if things don't go well kind of immediately. So Keats has been working through the kinks. You know, he put his head down. He hit the transfer portal this offseason. We're 21-7 and seven going into our last three regular season games. If you predicted that, I want to get your number because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you win me the lottery. Because you know things that regular humans don't know. I'll I'll let you in on that. I I don't know. I believe that this guy has some more eligibility left, and uh, it's tampering if Coach Keith says anything to him. But little old Ken Gibbs, I can I can definitely you know say this and I'll tamper. Hey, uh, L Ellis, I heard that you're having a hard time over there, man. I heard you're doing everything you can to bring that team to some relevance. But uh, you know. We might we, uh we might need some point guard action. Well, we go have some point guard minutes. Open up. We go L. We gonna have some point guard minutes. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm just saying. I'm just don't. Hey, it's it's there. It's there. I'm not saying that you got to do it. I'm just saying it's there. That's all I'm saying. L. Take some time. Take. Some, think about it. Think about it. You know. I'm just saying. Maybe maybe I am lobbying too hard for point guards next year. I don't care. We're going to need somebody to fill in the massive hole that's going to be left behind by Tequavian and Jarkel, and that's all right with me. That's all right. But this is a this is a team that again Keats needs some credit. Uh, these players have been phenomenal. Jarkel Joyner, as of late, has been phenomenal. DJ Burns has been phenomenal. Jack Clark coming off this injury, he shook that rust off immediately, immediately, and has been an impact player 
ever since he's been back. If we can get Mahorchich back and he can do a similar thing, oh man, I'm, I'm now we're now we're cooking. Now we're coming, we're, we're coming together at the right time. Exactly, we're coming together at the right time. And again, this is a selfless team. This is a team that plays for each other. This is a team that does things together. And that is why we come away with wins like this 77-69 win, despite the fact that if you look at our recruits' rankings and our guys' rankings as opposed to theirs, you'll see a very different story. But again, it's it's not about, you know, it's not about what rivals has you as, it ain't about what ESPN has you as. It's about what happens when y'all tip that court, when y'all tip that ball off at center court. What happens between that and the final buzzer? And on this day, we're better. And that's all there is to it. We're going to talk about the um, the women's loss in just a second here. But before we do, I've got to talk to you all about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. And, you know, we're, we're in that. We're finally settling into the new year for real, for real, right? We didn't pass Valentine's Day and all that. You know, passed all the chocolates in the heart-shaped boxes. Well, guess what? We've got more chocolate for you with Built Bars being covered in 100% chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably good flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Check this out now. Some only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And that is per bar. That's not one serving of eight in the bar. That is an entire bar. And you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built at online at Built.com. But now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to cop yourself some Built, Built Bar. So if you're close to a Sam's Club or Walmart, make sure you head on over there to pick up your four-bar box or your 13-bar box with our flavors that just keep on going, all right? So make sure that you get yourself some Built Bar. So, Grayson, the women's team took a loss uh, up at up in Blacksburg today. And, you know, this this wasn't the prettiest game uh, that we've ever seen. And, you know, it's it's kind of – it's the question is starting to become, is the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hot – or is this just who it is? Is is this just who this team is in terms of like is the up and down is the lack of consistency is that just who this team is and and what should be expected going forward? To a degree, yes. I think this game kind of is just a it is what it is situation. You know, when you're mm-hmm. missing a Sanai Rivers, you're missing a Diamond Johnson, and you got to go on the road and play a team to Virginia Tech's caliber. It kind of is what it is. I mean. That, once you learn you have two of your best players are not going to be able to play in an environment like they create in Blacksburg, it's just kind of like, well, girls, go out there and do your best. And I want to mention this. I thought that they did. You know, I thought, all things considered, they played fairly well. They they took care of the basketball. We did not turn the ball over. I think it was only maybe five times. We created a bit more havoc on the defensive end, but I thought we did – well, I liked the fight that I saw from Jakia Brown-Turner. I liked the fight that I saw from Camille Hobby. Isaiah James, we've mentioned this, you know, of recent. I think she's going to be a problem moving forward. She was lighting it up a couple times uh, there in the first quarter and then more so 
in the fourth quarter, we kind of had a, a sandwich. We looked good on the end of the sandwich. The buns were pristine. It's uh, The meat was a little bit raw. But, again, yeah. you're missing your two best players. You're on the road. That's a tough task. But I like the effort. I like the fight we got out of our girls in this game. So, again, I don't know if I subscribe to a good loss, but this is a loss that I'm not upset with. I do think they went out there and they they fought. They did what they could. Uh, again, on the road against that kind of team, it's tough. Regardless of even if you're healthy, that game's going to be tough. So I thought they did a good job in the effort department. We were seven players deep, competed the entire way. And honestly, if you don't, if you didn't watch the game, you will not understand this because looking at the box score, you're going to say, well, Virginia Tech shot about fit, above 50% from the field and all that good stuff. I'm going to tell you this. Taylor Soul just had herself a night. She was hitting very tough shots. Elizabeth Kitley is Elizabeth Kitley. That's who she is. She hits tough shots on the regular. This team was there. Defensively. They were in it. They were there. They were doing the things that you want. Virginia Tech was just hot as fish grease inside that arc. There was like, every time they went to the basket, they just found ways from terrible angles. From like the, the the angles where you say, you know what? If she hits that shot, I tip my cap and we we move. There's nothing you can do there. And so, you know, they, they came away with a, a loss there. But I'll tell you this much. If this team can commit to that kind of effort, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. I because the thing that we the thing that we see the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with is not just about the results of these games. It's the effort and temperament with which we play in these games. It's the effort and temperament that you saw up at UVA where you're like, this is a team that we beat by 25 earlier this year. Are you telling me we got 37 points worse in in the matter of two months? Yeah, absolutely. I thought we have looked worse in losses where we uh, we had our whole team than we did on the road at at VT. We were we were outwomaned, we were outgunned and I thought we still fought basically to the bitter end and we didn't even lose by that much, you know. Outside of just, you know, purely putting the ball in the bucket more times, which is what they did. Right. We had a chance. We were in it. We even made a run there uh in the fourth quarter to make it close. You, they kind of felt us breathing down their neck, and then they kind of put us away there at the end. But we made a game of it. We absolutely did. You know, can't really ask for much more than that. If they go out and they just fight the way that we know that they can, there's really not a whole lot I can get mad about. So and credit again, to the girls, the effort we saw. Just keep fighting at this point. Just keep fighting. And if you watch that second quarter where Virginia Tech scored 29 points, you'll think, oh, my God, this team just wasn't focused. If you watch that quarter – Virginia Tech was just hitting incredibly tough shots. You just they they were hitting shots that you say in scout like, all right, this player doesn't like to do this, and they forced them to do that. Made the shot anyway. This player doesn't like to be in this position. Hey, this don't want to go here. We can cut them off by doing this. They did those things. All almost every shot was contested. Almost everything was contested, and they just hit them. So you know, sometimes a team has a night like that. And you you tip your cap and you get ready for the next one. And that's what I what I would say is the prescription for this team. Just get ready for the next one. But you know what? 
Damn it, that ain't going to ruin our sunshine today. It ain't. The weekend that we just had, any time that you can beat UNC, not once, not twice, but three times in a weekend. And a bonus opportunity Monday night in ice hockey. Oh, my love. Women's basketball with an incredible comeback when all hope looked like it was lost. Wrestling, they're doing wolves down now. That's a that's an interesting development. Yeah, oh, yeah sure. I've, okay. I've, I've never seen that one before, but they're doing wolves down now. So good for them. Good for them. But they lost. They got thrashed in that as well in, in wrestling. And then men's basketball. You're not going to rain on my parade today. It was too much greatness from these Wolfpack teams. I'm excited about it. I'm geeked up about it. And you know what? As the as the uh, I believe it was Cheryl Crow who made this song. I'm walking on sunshine. Oh, that's because that's what I'm doing. That's how I'm feeling right now. I know that we've gone a little bit over our time, but we thank y'all so very much, Wolfpack Nation, for coming out to this episode, coming out to the PNC and packing that thing out and making it loud and records in there. Y'all make that team what it is, and you make this show what it is. Peace and love, y'all, and as always, go Pack. Go Pack. You are Locked On Wolf Pack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolf Pack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.